Hello everyone, I'm Cynthia Ichisum and welcome to Startup Stories with Cynthia. This is where we talk about the real, relatable, inspiring and exciting journey of startup founders. So, let's get straight into it. My session here with Jeffrey has to be one of the most um, inspiring sessions, I would say, with many shocking moments, right, from the part where he had to work as a volunteer at, at, a, at, uh, at a particular business center for a year, the fact that he, he made long treks, you know, back and forth from his house to that particular business center, you know, and the fact that he literally transformed a company and had the opportunity to launch multiple branches and grew from nothing to something. And I think the most shocking part for me was how he left all that glory, right? All that beauty working in an already established company, making waves, making money, traveling the world, and then leaving all that behind to say that, you know, I want to pursue this thing that has been you know burning on the inside of me for so long i I mean that takes a a very very high level um of uh of bravery i would say you know so much confidence and and boldness is required to make such a move because we're so comfortable with our current position and it's really just really great to see how he evolved and there were so many practical lessons i mean towards the end he talked it shares like really practical advice, um, even down to launching, doing like a proper product launch, lessons from that, and, and so many. Do you know what? I, I don't want to spill everything here. I want you to get into the podcast and just consume and consume and learn and learn as much as possible. So, yeah, this is the podcast session with Jeffrey, founder of My Abode. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Startup Stories with Cynthia. Trust me, we're about to have another in time. The last time we were here, we started with um, a founder uh, of a cosmetic um, product, right, in the cosmetic industry. And trust me, it was a very beautiful time. Today is another session. And this time around, we're speaking with, with Jeffrey, right? He's the co-founder of our board. We're going to get into the details of how he came about this whole idea. But do you know that prior to doing our board, he was the CEO of Pertinence Property Limited. And that meant that he had to lead he had to lead branches. You know, he was in charge of some of the branches and even the creation of four other branches. But he had the opportunity of launching startups within those companies and startups like Realverse, Pedisave, Agile Local, Data Fairs. I could go on and on, right? But he had the experience of being an entrepreneur, launching interesting products within a startup. And now he left all of that to start his own company all by himself. Trust me, we're about to have a wonderful ride in this episode. Thank you so much, Jeffrey, for joining. How are you doing today? Yeah. I'm great. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeffrey, um, aboard, but 
we're, we're going to talk about abode, but I want us to start from the very, very beginning. Did you, at okay. any point, be, you know, running your own company yourself, right? In this, at this point in your life, did you ever think that this was going to be something that you'd be doing? Okay, thank you. Uh, so, yeah, right from um, primary school, I knew that um, I wanted to, uh, even though the the sense I had there was not so much, but I knew I wanted to do something different because I always get inspired by watching stories of heroes. So stories of maybe Nelson Mandela, stories of, you know, different kind of um, Gandhi, uh, Moses in the Bible, just watching those kind of stories just amazes me. And it looks like a place where I want to be. I want to like lead like a change. So I, I didn't really know that probably it might be entrepreneurship. But, you know, when I go to university, I also, like, joined different student organizations, you know, JCI at the point before I joined an actors fully and I decided to stay there. So in joining an actors, we did so much of um, community development projects across different locations in Ogun State. And, you know, there it just felt like, oh, this is a place. I wanted to effect change via um, non-governmental organization. And so I saw myself that someday probably I'll be leading an initiative uh, that will be changing the world. So I think generally one thing that has remained um, constant across all, all these times, primary school, secondary school, university has been you know, um, leading change, leading change, just um, solving a critical problem in in Nigeria and, you know, and across the world and just being the forefront of that. So I think that's the ingredient of of, um, um, just creating and helping people solve problems have just been there. So it has expressed itself in different ways and the current expression is entrepreneurship. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, you were in primary school and you were already think, reading, you know, books about Nelson Mandela and being very, <laughs> I mean, I'm wondering, what was it like growing up? Is it that your father was a professor and then you guys had to read books? Like, you guys had to read <laughs> Because I don't remember, you know, being so interested in such things at, at a very young age, right? So what was it like growing up? What was the, what was the inspiration coming from? Okay, so growing up, um, my parents were not so well to do. Uh, my father did not um, did secondary school education. Uh, my mom also did secondary school education. They didn't have the opportunity to go to university. Um, obvious reading reasons, um, economic. Um, they didn't have uh, economic powers to be able to do that. But my dad was a um says a self-taught man because even without going to university he was able to do a lot of things he was able to you know um push himself read and you know started working in different organizations Cameroon before he went to Chivita as an accountant and started doing other professional courses so he has been a self yeah 
<laughs> he's a self-inspired person and you know he did a lot of things for himself even though he didn't have a formal university education i know my mom you you will not you will, if you meet my mom today you never know that she didn't have a formal university education i remember when i was still a little kid um she started adult education i was going to school i know i used to follow her sometimes to class and the rest and you know she speaks um she speaks english fluently she speaks yoruba she speaks Hausa, yeah. and you know she's also a very so i think it came from there and that um so this in our house education is core for everybody in my house because my parents knew the kind of advantage that education could give people uh which they do not have they struggled to you know get those advantages and it was not explored to the greatest level so they believe that every single person must take education serious so we're forced to you know find out how we could you know commit ourselves to reading so we could have better lives that they did not provide for us. So I think that was like the driving force. So with that, we might, even till now in my shelf, there's a book that I know that I must read. It's the, um, the History of Banking in England. My dad bought the book. It's a very large book. I is it's with me now. It's part of the books that you know I want to read. So he, he has lots of materials um, about Nigeria, about, you know, um, administration about business, so different kind of materials, not just Nigerian materials, foreign materials that you know just helped him to broaden his mind. So and there's no how the the apple does not fall far from the tree. Mm, that's very true. So in your family, you guys were like how many kids? Yeah, so total we were six. Um, six, yeah, and I say six officially because. Uh, my parents, every time there's always someone new that is living with us. So we have six official children, and I don't, I can't count the number of unofficial children. <laughs> so are you, are you the first that is actually? No, I'm second, second, second uh, born and second um, son. Wow. So are you the first person in your family that is actually doing business full time? Yeah, full time. Yes, everybody is entrepreneur. Uh, my mom ensured that. Um, even my brother works with a shipping company, but has like a business by the side, uh, which he does. Uh, my younger brother, he has a craft. Um, also, is an accountant by profession, writing all the professional um certifications and the rest and. He has a craft, he's an MC. My younger brother is a co-founder already of a company, but he's in, he's in his final year in the university. My younger sister also knows how to, you know, make air and also do makeup. She's also in final year in the university. Then the last one, we just graduated secondary school, has been uh, writing code for the last three months. So... <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has to get their hands something by, yeah. by any possible. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's really I think that's really beautiful. So I imagine you like going through, you know, university and then being part of Enactos. I mean, Enactos is such a very powerful program. I, I know that Enactos has, you know, has actually penetrated some universities in the country and encouraged a lot of youths of solving problems, right? have impact yeah. on the society. 
and in the environment. So how long were you doing this for? And during that process of like being part of Enactors, were you inspired to like start a company during that period? Or, you know, did you put that aside and say, okay, let me get a job so that I can now eventually maybe start a company after? Okay, so I was in an actors um, for three years, uh, out of my four years in university. Uh, I joined while I was in 200 level. And from there, I had the opportunity to represent my institution as a presenter three times um, at the actors uh, national competition against all of that university in Nigeria. I know in year one, we crashed out at the group stage year two. We got to the semifinals. Then year three, we got to the finals. But I know in one of those um, competitions, we also won the top 10 for 10 um, um, FCMB challenge. And, you know, three of our team members had the opportunity to represent Nigeria at the Enactors World Cup. Then I know that at uh, we also won the uh, first um, annual entrepreneurship competition by the federal government of Nigeria for university students across Nigeria. So I know that throughout that period, Enactors was actually the one of the best years of my life, like the formative years, because there I learned presentation. Uh, I also, you know, learned. Um, 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 interaction with different kind of persons because you you had an idea that you needed to execute over a period of time, need to see results in the idea and be able to share the story of that result in front of judges, judges like people from Sahara, people from First Bank, people from FCMB, people from MTN, you know, executive. Those days we sit on a call anyhow because it's part of the judges, you know. People from top organizations within Nigeria, Mara Mentor, and, you know, lots of organizations. So they had business experience, they had field experience. So they're able to give feedback on project being executed, seeing if they are sustainable, economically viable, even though they were like non-profit kind of initiative. But they were pushing us to convert them to much more of like social enterprises, whereby it has an element of sustainability from profit making, even though the general idea is to focus on social challenge. So I think that in those moments, I began to develop knack for, say, creating something. But in the first place, it was in creating initiative because I didn't see like a long-term impact of it. I know in 2013, I was a project lead for a social enterprise app that we built. It was a tech platform that was to onboard all um, all um, small businesses in um, Ogun State, specifically Jebode, on that app, and they will be able to interact, like put their business so people can find them online. I know we executed that project with about, say, 5K or so, because we had the tech guys that didn't really know so much then on our team, there, even though they are big boys now. And, you know, we were able to build that platform in, say, two months or so, even though the project failed, but that was like my first. So everything I've done in the area of uh, business uh, has been initiative-based or project-based because they all had a start period and an end period. But I believe that those were the um, days that, you know, entrepreneurship was being born in me, even though I didn't really see it. So, um, so it's been there for a long period of time, but I didn't really just have a grasp on it. I just had the idea. So uh, I would say it's been there. Mm. Wow, wow. And, then, and so transitioning from that into 
how did you get into pertinence and then having to manage and launch new startups in, in, in pertinence? Okay, so um, after my NYC, uh, that's youth service for Nigerians that completed the um, university degree, so compulsory youth service, um, I came back to Lagos and it was time, you know, after youth services, your life is in front of you, you have to make decisions. And if you are a second son in a in a not so great um family that had so much economic um economic power like that, there's always a large expectation on you. Typically, when you are the second child, um son, for that matter, graduated from economics two one, and them that's likely to succeed. Uh, there's so much pressure because you know. Uh, in Africa, one of the ways that, or in Nigeria specifically, our parents use education as an investment, and investments requires ROI. So there's yes. always that. <laughs> that's, oh, you have gone to school, I've invested 100 level to 400 level. It's time for you to start paying return on investments. Yeah. Even though that's not like a total um, correct um, ideology, but, you know, the sense is there because they've done so much work. But I knew that my path was different, so... He was um, my other brother, you know, immediately came out of school, out of NYC. Um, my mom, connected woman, you know, she connected him to a job and, you know, he started any good money. Everybody was absolutely thinking I was going to go the same route. So when I came back and they started pushing me to, okay, go for this bank because they knew somebody there. You know, I went there, I didn't take my credentials, so I didn't write the test year and there, year and there, and there. But I just knew that my path was different. I was not, I, I, I didn't want to, like, live, like, a normal life and just, you know, go to work and the rest and come back, make money, give them money at home. I just knew something was different, but I didn't know the path. So I'm a believer, you know, definitely had to ask God for, you know, direction and the rest. So I know that I took an action. I met um, um, a mentor from an actor's days in school. He was one of our team leaders. So I spoke to him about, you know, coming over. So he, he was working close to pertinence in the same building. So he, I decided to work with him as a volunteer. I just started a business less than, I think, three months or so. Um, so I said I was going to just work with him. So he said I, should, I could stay until I find a better opportunity. So... And as I, I ended up staying with him for almost a year, I know that he, he, there was no salary for him to pay me, but he decided to support me with 5K every month. That's 5,000 Naira every month just for me to, you know, just have something. And I was practically everything because I was the only staff. I, I was practically dust the table, you know, um, talk to clients, post on social media, write blog articles, do design as crazy as it is. I'm not even a designer. Do graphics design, post, you know, run around, buy food, just do different things, you know. And I was like every every part of the organization because I was the only staff and it was like a small resource center. So after doing that for almost a year, it was crazy because I was living in the state and the office was in Lagos. But I, you know, I had to tell my parents that that they should leave me 
that I I'll sort myself out. I had my parts, and so the only way I could ensure that that I survived in my decision was to really own up to my responsibility and not be a burden on them. Uh, because there's a way that we can't we because we want to maybe go into entrepreneurship and the rest we could dishonor our parents in that way and also be a burden. So I know that I just focus on eating night food with them. I leave the house very early. I try to get free rides to a certain location and I trekked a lot in those moments because you know I I just didn't want to be a burden um to the house so they will not say oh. This guy really needs like help and the rest. So I so I I could res they could respect my decision. So I did this for like 10 to 12 months, and it was like a very crazy period. There were days in those moments that I had to cry. Uh, because as in I was just tired. I was just tired because I had to walk long distance, you know. Imagine walking from Augusta to Lagos for work, and it's not just a close area, it was very, very far. So I then after like the period I worked with him, the uh, my boss that was Yekini Olalekum just felt that that's the adapter's guy felt that oh he doesn't think that he will be able to sustain me that pertinence has an opening because in between they have been working on projects like for pertinence pertinence had like a strategy session around pertinence at three to pertinence at four what they wanted to do and I know that we were like five in that team to do a review of a book and you know bring recommendation for the company to implement and I remember that a lot of people were not even interested they were not even like coming up for those meetings so I had to just take the book two weeks to the end of the submission I read the entire book did the summary and put everybody's name there and submitted till today nobody knows that I was the only one that you know did that and that was about eight years or something ago so and that was one of the things that really, really became a game changer, especially in the company, because things began to change from that from that part. So I joined the organization in customer service, did a lot of stuff. Then there was opportunity to start a branch in um, Ibejudeki. They saw me and felt that, okay, this guy looks like this guy's um, excitement. This guy has like the ginger to do this. So they sent me there, the kind of branch office that we work in, personal entrepreneurship. So I got to an uncompleted building. There was no team, nothing. So I had to get bricklayers, built the office up, you know, do a lot of things. Um, electrician, they first set up the office, first, then we started looking for people. But by God's grace, at the end of year one, we were able to do transactions of 150 million plus, and we grew our team from three to 56. And, you know, the next year, there was another opportunity to start another office in like if it's one so i was also commissioned to do that so i found the location i set up the location interior decor all those stuff built team organized events you know i know i didn't stay there for a long period of time but we did good transaction it will be above 50 million era then our team was about 25 and i was brought back to the head office to lead as general manager i was there that was when i saw my first billion in terms of business and dealings then you know, eventually becoming CEO, then was building products, built Petisave that became Jet Seed, you know, built um, Realverse in 2019, you know, built different products in between. So I think that the real formation of that entrepreneurship capacity fully got explored in Pertinence because Pertinence really gave, gave me a chance. Uh, there was so much gamble on me. And 
by God's grace, I, I didn't really mess up because I took every opportunity as a chance, even though people were complaining that, is this going to work? But, you know, I just saw it that it was going to work. And I just tried because I didn't know a lot of things. I just tried. And, you know, this, this thing just began to work. And I gained experience. I gained confidence and a lot. And every part of entrepreneurship that I had within me, I just expressed it in pertinence. Wow. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm already, like, so moved by the story of how you move from having to take long treks from one city to another city to, you know, doing <laughs> a billionaire, a billion dollars. So give an idea of what it meant for you to, like, manage a branch. When you say, like, they sent you out to manage a branch, like, what were you doing specifically? Getting real estate projects or, or what? So it's, it's just like starting a new company because no market survey, nothing, just maybe intuition about how the certain market was good. So went there, set up the office. Um, so I was in charge of every single thing. So we had properties across that place, new and the ones that we um, had had before. So I had to be responsible for all those properties, ensure that they were protected. Um, I had to build a team of sales force to sell the products how to engage with customers in that um, access, how to, you know, manage fund, organize event, experiential event, do market activation. So practically a startup, but a startup that is within another organization because I the success and the failure of the branch was on me. I remember those days that, you know, I we had ACs in our office, but I told my guys we put on ACs only on Wednesdays. And the reason why we put on ACs on Wednesdays is because we have um like a team meeting whereby all our sales force comes around. Every other day, nobody dares put on AC because we cannot get comfortable inside the office. We have to go under the sun and you know do the real work. So we are always on this on the road. I know a lot of people sent me away or chase me out. Uh, because we are always on the road talking to people about the product, you know, just sharing the vision with them and seeing, telling them how they could come. I remember those days I used to do like, it's just like evangelism, going to people's houses. It was so crazy. Some people we answer is some people we send you. But it was, it's just like, it's like a startup. Every single thing. The only thing that, you know, was not really um, there was maybe the power and the, the the autonomy to uh, initiate a new real estate project. And when I mean new real estate project, in terms of finding a property and funding that property, that is the only thing that, but in terms of finding a property, doing my analysis and recommending it to the company to fund, yes, that was it. That's the, aside from that, there was no, there was no other thing that I was not responsible for as like a normal business. So everything from recruiting team, I recruited my team everywhere by myself, from bringing in sales guys, from packaging the product, from communicating the vision, from doing every single thing that a normal startup company would do. But just that I had like a backup in terms of financial backup um, from the head office. Mm. Wow. Wow. So, so pertinence to like a piece of land uh, we built some, you know, structures on it, and then you guys 
will go into that place, set up a branch, and try as much as possible to sell it, right? And it was your responsibility to do yeah, so. largely, largely. <clears throat> and the the even sometimes the, what we we'll just do is just to get the property. So you have to sell, raise money to even mm-hmm. develop the property to put in the proper shape whereby is able to be marketable. So <laughs> it was just crazy. But it was a beautiful experience. As in one of the experiences that enlarged my entrepreneurship capacity. Wow. 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 So that means you had to be in charge in charge of like the construction itself, like managing bricklayers, electricians, right? Construction managers. Yeah. But I had I had a team uh, the guy his name is Yemi Olodun. He, he also started his real estate company already and he's doing great. So he was the one in charge of those bricklayers, um, just supervising them, even though I pray the supervisory role. So I tried to stay in the area of operations and marketing. So he, he did more of uh, managing technical workers, but every single process I was I was on top of it. Wow. Wow. I can imagine, I can imagine how that really influenced you. So I mean, I, I feel like you were at the top of your game. It's like being really being at the top of a really, really big company. So why did you decide to do? I'm sure you were earning like big factory. You know, you, <laughs> you, <laughs> I mean, you had to go on your back. You know, from all of that wealth and comfort to start a company from where there is no backing, no financial backing, no. And you are on your own. You have to tell us why is that <laughs> Okay, there's one thing that I didn't mention in the previous one is that I was 23 as at the time that all these things were happening. So, uh, wow. Just to mention it for the audience to know that it's, the age is not anything. Yeah, responsibility. The responsibility makes you grow up. Mm, very true. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I've, I when when I was coming to pertinence by the you know divine instruction that I received, I knew that you know um, I was I wanted to become an entrepreneur. It was clear. So, and when I was even coming to pertinence, pertinence did not, there was, was not, I didn't have a job interview to work with pertinence because my 10 to 12 months of working without being paid was sufficient job interview uh, for, for them. So I was not interviewed. I just, even that day, I just tried to even go into the office to see if I can. They sent me away that, what interview are you coming for? <laughs> coming for, that you have interviewed your, your stay here is sufficient for interland, you know. I I got in. So, you know, I grew through the ranks, you know, got a lot of things in the process. I got three cars, you know, got landed properties, you know, started doing a lot of stuff. Got, you know, made money here and there. Was, you know, live glorious life having a team of over, say, 100 guys um, mm-hmm. in the office reporting to you, having, you know, almost like, um, say, 5,000 field workers that, you know, they are calling you, having over 30,000 clients that's giving you money, not just any kind of money, like serious money. And, you know, there's that glory, you know, having international trips, you know. I think this year is the first year I've not traveled in a while. <laughs> like, I've not <laughs> left Nigeria. 
<laughs> go on international chain, sell sponsor and company sponsored, go for different events. Um, some event to pay as much as you know five thousand dollars, you know, to be a part of the event, you know, a hotel, barriers, um, um Radisson Blue, you know, different hotels, just leave, Sharatin in Abuja, you know, you want to go for a retreat, you are flying here and there. I'm always on the road. Sometimes I'm in Abuja in the morning, I'm back in the afternoon, you know, even though I've gone. So the life was sweet, the glory was there. <laughs> and all those things. Well, you know, when I was going to Britain as uh, seven years earlier, I knew that I was, you know, I wanted to become an entrepreneur. So every single position that they placed me i had that ownership mentality and you know just wanted to do something even though i was not totally conscious i did not know that this year i'm going to start a company if somebody had told me in january february march this year i will never believe that i was going to start a company even the time that it became very evident was in july that was really going to you know start a company and because i have a strong team for loyalty loyalty is like one of my greatest weaknesses and you know it has turned out to be uh, the one of the major um, virtues that has helped me to you know just grow and remain in the good books of a lot of people who are powerful and interested and you know willing to support so i in looking at everything yeah to a great extent i've gotten to like a certain level of pinnacle in that space. So I knew that there were more things to do. So in doing more things, I had to go back. I reinvented the vision. I, I knew inside of my heart that there was more things to do. So I went back and I recreated the vision of pertinence to become a startup. So I started like a new journey for the company and broke it into four different core elements and so last year the company became a startup entirely in my mind because like i knew that there was space there were that there were a lot of things to do i felt even though we had got into that space so we started as a startup and you know we did great revenue like the best revenue that i've ever done we started changing the identity of the company like trying to bring a lot of tech into it and the rest so i just knew that there was something there but the only place i knew how to express everything was still within the company so i didn't even know that you know there was something to be done outside so a lot of things happening happened all the story i'm saying does not mean that there were no like major challenges but you know there were a lot of challenges that you know required me to even want to leave pertinence in between but i decided to stay put um some by personal conviction some by maybe and uh, divine inspiration just to, you know, just stick, stick. I would have left pertinence even in December. I was in Rwanda and, you know, as it was just crazy. So I wanted to leave, even though, you know, well, I thought it was time for me to leave. Mm -hmm. From 2020 March, I had felt a hollow in my heart that I think there was something to do, but I didn't exactly know how to go about it. I prayed. I didn't really get the feedback. So I just decided to stay put. And, you know, for two years, I, stu I stayed put. Hey, hey, hey. Let me just quickly jump in here to 
interrupt this amazing story i know i know don't worry i'll be out of here in no time <laughs> just wanted to let you know that you can follow me on all social media platforms and here's why beyond startup stories i do a little bit of startup education just talking about things that um startup founders need to be acquainted with for example investments how does that work what does it mean to build a team what are the minds what is the most important thing you need to have in mind while building a startup right and many more so feel free to follow me on linkedin instagram twitter same name cynthia ichison all right let's get back into the story cheers okay so at rwanda there was like it looked like it was time to eventually leave but i i there was just no clearance you know in my heart to leave and you know that's also problem of loyalty was still there so every every level of you know accomplishment or anything i wanted to do you know i knew that i could do it within the brand so fast forward to march this year um we're just in a conversation and you know just all those late night conversation in the office like building a lot of stuff and 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 you know that that thoughts just drop as in in the conversation with everybody plus the founders of the company and every single person and it was uh, uh, no we can actually do this i can do this no damn like was like yeah things that we can do this and you know that was just there there and there without any proud conversation without anything you know we just made the decision <laughs> in the presence of everybody and say oh, yeah we want to want to we think we want to try it out then the next thing that happened was that we both went on a retreat two days after that to go and sit down and really ask ourselves real questions if <laughs> if we were really like serious about it and you know in terms of understanding what um in, in individually our vision was about you know what the the idea was so thankfully we had built something that we could you know start with already so we had to dust it up again you know and start working so we had to do a lot of alignment understood like the vision and everything that we wanted to create then you know look at the glory of having thousands of people greeting you good morning sir and you know somebody asking you you have no eating sad what should i make for you and everything and you know just looking back at it and just closing your eyes off because to get great, you have to sacrifice good. Mm. Mm. So you had to sacrifice the good. But what was the major motivation for leaving? I mean, apart from the hollow that you felt, right, um, was there something else that you and your co-founder, Damilari, saw? Was there an opportunity that you guys saw? You know, tell okay. us about the opportunity problem that you guys are trying to solve okay so um having worked in the real estate space for like seven years i see a lot of people like do crazy transactions in real estate and you know and i see it as a means whereby you know some people will just they bought properties for the purpose of sending their children to university abroad so they bought the property they kept it waited for like three years sold it off and used the cash and the appreciation 
to you know fund their uh, student their children education some people you know uh used it to do different things some people built that and i saw how you know excited a lot of people were but i noticed that a lot of guys who you know we all grew up and we all went to university couldn't afford to buy those properties they were like a lot and as as beneficial and as great those those properties and those assets those opportunities were a lot of good people could not afford it mm. so it was like it was crazy and you know you have to go okay, there's this property this property will increase in say 50 percent in the next x x years like come and take as in they desire to but they could not just afford it so it was like a huge market and we had lots of people in our community because we also was a problem that we had because the first property I ever ventured to buy by myself, I till today, I, I, I didn't finish the payment. I just abandoned it. It was a long time ago. But the properties that I've been able to own, like, I just called them like, oh, what's up? What do you think about this? Well, let's go into it together. And two of us, you know, girls got, put money together and we're able to buy it. And we have bought properties that really, really have changed our lives, you know, especially financially. And we're like, ah. If both of us can do this kind of things, our friends should be able to, you know, this will, this will really change their lives. Oh, even people that we don't know, this can actually change their lives. So we just did a little bit of tweak to the technology and, you know, just put it out there and started reaching out to our friends. And, you know, the reception was great. Uh, reach out to our friends. Right now, we're trying to reach out to, you know, people that are strangers. We're at that stage of reaching out to strangers at the moment. But, the, what we saw, we just saw that that people love the idea of owning assets. People love the idea of what assets can do, especially properties, how it can increase in value. But they didn't have the capacity, especially financial capacity to do it. So what we decided to do, which is a mission of our board, is to democratize prosperity for Africans through simplified asset acquisition. So what the billionaire, the millionaire, is participating in we're bringing it down to even the lowest of the persons in the nigeria economy to be able to participate in it at you know participate in the same asset acquisition just that the value that we're putting in are just different but all of us why can't you know nigerians jointly own the keja city mother shop rights as in the the why, why don't we jointly own different kind of asset that Instead of being a consuming economy, why are we not, you know, creating prosperity for ourselves? So that was like the that the major mark and say, guys, no, we really, there's a problem here. We have that problem to a great degree. We have solved it because we had information and we had opportunity. Let us trade our information and opportunity across the entire real estate market space in Nigeria and bring this information and opportunity to the people who do not have it. So this was like a, a major driving force for us. And, you know, we just say, okay, guys, let's go and do this. So t- tell me about like how many friends opted into this and how many, you know, um, assets, how many assets were you able to buy? Like, what even made it something available, you know, something like the guys, the Australians are going to get access to how many of your friends actually bought, you know, bought into this idea? Okay, so, sincerely, not a lot. <laughs> not a lot. But when we started, I know that the first person that gave me money was a, someone that I met in 20, I think it was in 2018. 
I met him. I think we have met just physically once, and you know, he, he was the first client ever. <laughs> I know we were doing um, um our one year anniversary or five year anniversary. Is <laughs> we are going to celebrate him. It was the first client ever to give us you know money, even though the money was not a lot, but he just gave me encouragement. And so what I did was I, I I'm actually the first customer of of our boat because immediately I created the product. I bought one of the assets because you know. I created. I I wanted. I want to create a product that I I want to be crazy about to so even buy. Even me being the founder, so I bought. So it was the first external guys who gave me money. And I was like, wow, okay, this is interesting. Then, uh, when we went on break, I came back. Um, uh, this year when when there was like no more conflict and you know we had to, um, say we can proceed. And I spoke to a few people that I've met over a period of time and I was shocked. The first ever transaction when we re, when we did the soft launch earlier in the year, somebody just paid a million. I was like, wow, really? Okay, okay, okay. There's something, yeah. Then a lot of people, people say pain, 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 here and there, my cousin, you know, friends, close guys, you know, my friends, Dam Larry's friends, they, were, they just started, you know, buying off the asset and the rest. And I'm like, oh, this is cool, this is cool, this is cool. Then also started reaching out to a, a few other persons. You know, many of our friends also do not believe in it. I will not blame them. So some of them still do not believe in it right now. But you know, we just we just had good people that did did not really understand what we were doing. They did not really understand, but they just knew that okay, these guys had some level of reputational capital over a period of time that we had done business with them. And I know that that's one of the things that we, I got from my parents about being being not excessive, being um, very, very diligent. And that's one of the virtues of Christ. You know, you can't say you give me money to go and buy something, I'll not keep the change. No, <laughs> it's not my money. The change is for you no matter what, you know. So people have been able to see all those little things. So they were able to invest in our reputational capital. They didn't invest in the product. It was mm. like, oh, I think I can buy this product not because I truly believe in this product, but if it's Jeff, if it's Damilari that is saying that this product is good, something will be there, even though I don't understand now. I will come to understand over a period of time. And these guys came for our, our product launch, our major launch, which was um in, in November, and they were blown away. They were like, wow. Wow, wow, but they were willing to commit their funds even without fully understanding. So those guys are actually the real MVP. And our first 1,000 users on the platform are our real MVP, actually. But the first set of guys that you know really gave us money, as in it was it was exciting. So it's, it's now we are beginning to reach out to people that I don't know. And, you know, one of the things that we have been doing from uh, the beginning of this week is to call. We have been speaking to all our users. We have been trying to get their feedback. As in, throughout today for like four hours today, I was on call with multiple um, users, um, just speaking to them, getting their thoughts. You know, just trying to understand the problem that they have and if truly our product is solving it. Because we are we are static. We are like static with the vision, which is to create prosperity of for Africans. But the approach. We are flexible with the approach. So we want to really know that or want to really ascertain that the problem that we are trying to solve is a problem that the users have. So 
in the last one week, we have been dedicating ourselves to talking to more of the users in different categories. I know we are still going to continue. So from now to December, we're investing ourselves in real conversations, long conversations with all our users to see how we can build better product for them. So because it has got to do a stage whereby the product needs to be able to explain itself without us and nobody will be able to know. We are going to the stage whereby people do not know Jeffrey anymore. They don't really know Daminari. They need to see the potency of the product. So mm-hmm. now we are beginning to you know, do a lot of things, a lot of engineering to ensure that the product speaks to their needs. So, so that's, that's been the journey. Mm. It's, it's, it's funny how it's funny how you know this is this is actually a space or a kind of product that has been building up for a while now. I know a number of um, startups who are solving this same problem of you know democratizing wealth um, through asset acquisition, right? But what do you think make makes you different from from the rest? What makes us different? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you ask everybody this question. Everybody has something to say. I'm not saying we are really different. Uh, so I'm not really saying we are different so much because the space is so large. Even if we have similarities in a lot of ways, individually, we cannot all solve the problem because the market is so large. I think there was a report in 2020 that says that African Nigerians bought $4 billion worth of assets. And it, even in the midst of that, 56 million Nigerians were excluded from the opportunity to own because of economic power. So one brand, two brands cannot solve this problem. Mm. As in, we have lots of brands. So in thinking around, you know, differentials between us and multiple brands, I think the first one is that first, we are experienced in the real estate and real estate crowdfunding space and development space. So I have seven years actively working in this space. Dam Larry has almost, you know, um, the same um, duration, but they are tech and agri-tech to his own. So I think that's one. Then the second thing is that we are not a, Abud is not a real estate co-ownership platform. Abud is a asset co-ownership platform. So our products are not restricted to real estate like every other person. So we have real estate, we have you know, um, cars, that's automobiles, um, delivery van, different kind of pressure store. Those are like that's like a major part of us. So we are not just real estate; we are assets. So different kind of assets can be traded on our platform. I think that's the second one. Then the the third one is that aside from all the great things that we share. The only way you can really, really validate the increase in value of anything is if you can use that, um, you can trade with the increase in value. So for instance, if I say that I have a land that is worth, you know, and has grown to say 15 million era, the only way I can truly validate that that property has grown to 15 million era is if I'm able to even if I maybe I am able to sell that property for 15 million era, or I use that property in exchange for a value that is 15 million era. So what we also do is that we also offer our our users a one-time opportunity 
to sell their product. So when capital appreciation, we, we guarantee selling of the assets one time for all our customers. I know that that's one thing that is not really, really available across all, all the guys in the market. They allow you to buy, but the exit is dependent on the user. But we will understand that prosperity is what we want to create. So you can buy an asset and be there. You're an investor. You might not be, you might not understand market dynamics on how you can trade with this asset. Even though we have a marketplace whereby you peer-to-peer trading can happen. But as a whole, in terms of those property, we owe this for a specific period of time. We should be able to have like a centralized way whereby we can offset this asset for cash. And everybody that funded each project are able to, you know, take away money. So first, experience that is there, very major for us. Second, we're asset co-ownership community, not a real estate co-ownership community. Third, we offer um, our users a one-time offer to sell these assets on their behalf at exit. So they are able to cash out um, of um, products, even though there's still a marketplace whereby they can do pair-to-pair trading. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. I really love how you know you evolved from just um, you know discovering or experiencing the problem as like a personal problem, but then evolving to realizing that there are other people who experience the same problem and then trying to launch a product to solve that. So speaking about launching a product, right? I know that you guys just concluded or yeah you guys just concluded your product launch in november at um rallying blue so tell us about you know, launching like doing like a proper launch planning for it were there mistakes that you made were there lessons um upsides downsides so that anybody who is thinking about you know doing like a a a, a very um flamboyant product launch they can know what to um prepare for before and then also after okay uh product launch i think sometimes product launch can you know be overrated in a way so um i think if you want to wait for a certain period for you to have everything perfect then you might not really maximize uh pushing your product into the market for us i always recommend to everyone that you do not wait for the major launch. So we have been in business since, say, actively, say, May this year. But we had our product launch in November. Mm-hmm. And before we had our product launch, we had crossed 600 users mm-hmm. on our platform. And we had done, like, a good number of transactions that is close to $40,000. So the product launch was just a... It was just to further more reach more audience, further more educate the users about the vision of the company and get their buy-in, and also to like extend product offering to them. So I would say that the product launch is in like stages. So we had a soft launch in March, and we already started talking to users. Start talking to users, showing users the product, allowing them to really, really interact with us. And the, the, we, have, we have changed a lot of things since we, since we launched in May. As in, when I mean launch in May, since we started, mm. a lot of things have changed. We have learned a lot of things, like so much. 
from the customers than if we had done a major product launch then i think we'll have started a crazy company a company that might not really make sense because we the first part of the company was built for us but was not literally built for the users taking the users totally into context but after interacting with users you know knew the reason why somebody will not buy a product see the reason why somebody was buying a product we're able to learn and you know focus on what was important which is grow the users of the platform you know, grow transaction, giving offering um, um, cost, good customer experience for them, you know, being available for them, speaking to them at different points and the rest, you know, even having some physical meeting with them. So in all those things, we're able to learn a lot of things, improve the product. As at then, we had MVP, we had add version one, and, mm-hmm. you know, we, we in the pro- this product launch, we had, like, say, let's say version two, shall, in a way, of what we have had. So it was like progression, learning, 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 learning. So I think that was, that was like a, a major lesson for me. And anything I want to do, I will not wait for like, it's just like waiting to your wedding day before you learn how to be a good husband. You should be a good husband before your wedding day. So I think there are lots of things that you should have interacted with before the major day because the major day is just like a ceremony. And, you know, you should come out, you should be ready um as at then and when i mean ready it's not in there because as at we wanted our mobile app to be ready at the uh, product launch but it was not but we went on with it we went on with it our mobile app was not ready there are lots of things that were not ready some products were not even some features were not even set you know but we talked about the future as part of the future but the basic functionality that can allow a user do all the very basic thing on the platform was very available they might not be able to do sophisticated things that we love them to do, but all the normal thing to sign up, you know, to get OTP, to buy a product, to receive documentations, to, you know, refer their friends, those very basic and very vital things were already available. So why should we wait? Desire to do a product. And I think another lesson that we also learned is that, you know, we should take the users to a place whereby they see no, we should we should take the users to a place whereby it's a future to them much more where they are coming from so we're trying to create prosperity most of the guys that you know we our target audience are guys that may not necessarily you know have so much of money and they they so instead we we initially had a venue for the event that looked like an area whereby our target orders come from, not so great in terms of finances. But we had to change the venue just a week to go. And we, we moved our product launch three days to the product launch. We moved it by a week. Mm. Why did we move it by a week? Because we got a new venue that looked like, you know, the future of where we want our users to be in terms of state of mind. And, you know, we took a gamble on it because we, we knew that we could lose a few guys that registered for the event. And we moved up our event by week singularly because of the venue, not really about it because we had people that have registered already to attend the event. And I knew that they were coming. But immediately we changed the venue. Our registration spiked by 100% in 24 hours. Yeah. Like... We literally had to be calling people and telling them that I don't think there's space 
<laughs> please wow. do not come because we had oh, 413 people that signed up to attend our product launch and over 75% of them wanted to come physically. At our event, we had over, over to almost about 280 people that were physically on ground and mm. they all could not contain them. Wow. They all could not. Uh, till the end of the event, they were bringing chairs into the hall. And thank God that some people that came early left so people could, you know, take over their chairs and the rest. So I think that was that was like major for us to, in the midst of, you know, three days to the event, you know, changing the event date and changing the venue was a big call. But, you know, we decided to do it and, and it really played well. There are a lot of things that if I look back, I want to do much more better because one major part that we forgot in our entire process, even if it was part of our plan, was to get users' feedback on the day of the event for to allow them to talk to us while we were, you know, making presentation. But we, we skipped that, which was really, really bad. So any product launch that anybody wants to do, please hear from the users. Very, very clear. Let them ask questions. Even even though you are not a lot of things are not set, be open to them and let them ask a lot of questions, which is something we are trying to solve by talking to them at the back end. So we really learned a lot of things from the product launch. But if I have to organize another product launch, I think a few things I would do better. <laughs> yeah, a few things you do better. Yeah. Okay, you've met. Oh, I thought you were about to mention more. Okay. Oh, I mentioned more. <laughs> I think another thing is also, you know, have much more time or for networking within the event. I know that we serve the very light refreshment. I think next time, we could have because one of the greatest thing about our product launch was that it lasted for two hours. Uh, yeah, it lasted for two hours and, and about 20 minutes. So it was not a long event, it was straight to the point, it was very concise, you know. And so that was there. I think the re light refreshment should have been served in a way that allows people to talk to each other. So people are able to spend maybe additional 20 minutes at the venue and, you know, just, just interact. And that will give us much more time to go around the room and, you know, talk to a lot of people, get feedback and, you know, a lot of things. I, I think that's one thing that I will have done uh, much more better. Just even though there were people that, you know, we interacted at the end, but I think it would have been calmer if maybe the refreshment that was served. The refreshment was not so much. We served water and um, snack, just yeah. one snack per person. So it was not like we spent so much money for the event. But I felt that it would have been great if people were able to, you know, just stand around and, you know, um, interact with each other. So I would have done that separately, differently. Then another one, I would have gotten feedback from the customers at the venue of the event, you know, allow them ask the tough questions so we can reason through it together. Then also to really get like do like a, a stronger call to action for everyone. Like really get a stronger call to action also for everyone to like make a decision on what, what direction of the product they were interested in and just to give us like major feedbacks on what we should work on. So I think those will be the additional things that I, I would have done. And yeah, that would basically be it. Interesting, interesting. I mean, you already, you already hinted on the fact that you don't have to spend a lot of money. So, like, if somebody wants to put together a product launch, like, what should the budget? What what should be the budget? So, I think that you should. So, where we work here in our boat right now is 
we put everything in two categories, things that we endure for a, a, a longer period of time and things that will vanish after 24 hours. You know, on social media, there's the story and there's the timeline. The story vanishes after 24 hours, but the timeline stays as long as you want. And so we ask, what are the enduring things and what are the disappearing things? So, for instance, disappearing things, food. If somebody eats in 24 hours, they will most likely forget what they've eaten. But what can we do that will become enduring? So if I put the food in an interactive way, whereby people are able to talk to each other, somebody could make a friend that can last a lifetime. So that's an enduring. So what we try to be, so if we're spending money, we're spending money, what will last a lifetime? So in our budget for the event, I think over 30 or 35% of our event was the fund for the event was invested in post-event publicity. Mm. Post-event publicity, because we're able to gather, say, 250, 280 people into the room. There are 56 million other people who need this product that we're not in that room. So how can we get this message to get to them? So we invested in, you know, press, which I think is a major part of an event. So because those things will last. So it gives the, the brand SEO. It gives the brand credibility over a period of time. But if I'm investing, one of the least things that we spent money on was food. <laughs> because it's a, it's, a, it's a status or a story Listen, uh, it disappears after 24 hours. Everybody will forget. That's the same thing about if you are doing a wedding. People will forget. Sometimes they will forget what they ate. But a lot of things need are needed to, you know. So we look at, ask yourself those question. What we endure? So we knew that media we endure. So we invested in media. We knew that the experience we endure. People can talk about, oh, I was at a boat product launch. So we invested in that. We brought in our mentors to the event to come and share. We really spoke, as in spoke with passion, our story um, to the audience for them to really know, oh, great, this is what these guys are doing. That's product education and the rest. Those are the things that, you know, we believe that could endure over a period of time. So you don't need to spend a lot. Ask questions. Ask questions. The all that we got you know, we didn't spend a lot of money. Why? Because we knew someone who had access to that particular um, venue and could get it for us at a 50% discount. Wow. <laughs> so ask questions, just demand, demand for things. <laughs> you know, somebody wanted to, uh, wanted to um, get a stage for the event uh, so we could, you know, look a lot of, uh, great. And somebody was charging us 70K. And we're like, no, we can't invest 70k on stage for this product launch. It's not, it's not, it's not critical. We will just stand on the ground. And we got to the venue, we saw somebody, and we asked for the stage. I said, Oh, I see the stage. I saw that you guys just finished using it. Is it possible for me to use this stage? And after 15 minutes of, oh, I don't think so, they agreed. <laughs> and we used it. <laughs> that's that's 70k not spent. So asking, you know, just asking for things, asking, 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 asking. And, you know, we got the ones that we could get. And the worst things that people said was no. And we didn't take it personal. And, you know, we went on with it. So I think if for everything you want to ask yourself, what will be enjoying after this period of time? Invest more in those things. Things that will disappear after 24 hours. Just don't, don't, be more, don't invest so much in it. Mm. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. This is this is, you know, really powerful nuggets to take home. 
really really powerful nuggets. So so far, like how many users do you guys have? So at the moment, I know that we have a thousand and eighty six users right now. Uh, yeah, I think a thousand and eighty six users right now. Mm. Wow, that's that's crazy. People are definitely platform. So you guys go to myabo.com, right? I did, did I myabo.app. My myabo.app, and then you see yeah. a lot of assets that you actually buy. Definitely, I've gone there and I've interacted with it, and trust me, they have something great going on there. So definitely, um, go check it out and interact with it. So, what would you, what would you, final advice to any startup right now who is trying to build, any startup founder who is trying to build something, you know, either in your industry or in other industries? Uh, maybe you can start with your industry. They talk about like other, other industries. You know, your advice to them so that you know they can go home, um, um feeling. Okay, so I know that in the last uh, since I started that board, I've stopped giving advice, and the reason is that I said any advice I want to give, I, I need to give give it to myself so I can take <laughs> I can take the same advice for myself. But just uh, generally, this advice I'm giving will also be for myself. Is you know there are a lot of things that you don't know. <laughs> just open yourself to learning, get into spaces that will expand your mind like do a research about your industry like learn from even your competitors i check global brands doing fractional ownership african brands even nigerian brands i learn from them i say oh guys we need to implement this so just know that you don't know a lot of things you don't know just be hungry for knowledge and you know and you know just jump on it i don't i think i i don't know since since May last this year till now, I'm sure I've seen nothing less than 100 videos on startups. I, I'm so sure. I've watched over 100 videos on startups from Y Combinator to different kind of stuff. I know I've done that. So <laughs> just being hungry for knowledge because you need to... There are a lot of things that we don't know. I think that's one. Number two is to ask, just demand for, ask for things. Ask for help. Ask for help. Try things out. So I know that we got into an accelerator program and, you know, we had uh, we had the opportunity to pitch um, in front of investors last week. And that was a, a, a day before we spoke. That was last week. Yeah. And how, how did we get about it? Just saw a platform that does, you know, accelerator program and applied and they say it has closed and say, oh, guys, we can actually be a part of this. So even though it, the program started like a week ago and, you know, Fortunately, we got into it, and out of over like forty um, startups that was there, we were top five that pitched. And it's just about asking questions, knocking the door. There's also we had um, another program that I saw on um, on via a weekly newsletter from one of the prominent guys in Nigeria. And you know, we applied, and it was an innovation challenge, and we got uh, we came second second. Um, a place in innovation and after like three stages of um, assessment and you know we came a uh, first runner up and we had we got a check of 500k just like that you know just try things test the the worst that everybody is going to say is no 
And I'm still in the process of trying a lot of things because I'm in the early stage of my startup. My startup is not even a year right now. So all this advice I'm giving, advice I'm also giving to myself. So I think the second advice is just test, try. The worst is that you're going to get a no. Just try, ask for help from different places. I think that's number two. Then number three, um, be genuinely interested in the in the problem that you are solving, and you know, genuinely interested in the users. You know, there's a way that one of the strategies to to move from poverty to riches is to start a business, and that's like one of the ideology of what um, we do in Africa. But the truth of the matter is that why that is why that will eventually happen to the degree of that of how that will happen will be to the degree of problems that you are able to solve. So if you solve a local problem, you get local money. If you solve a global problem, you get global money. So the degree of value that you have to create will be the degree of money that you will make. It's so is is clear. So focus, be so interested in the people that you are solving the problem for, be so interested in the problem that you are solving, then be lean. Be lean. Like don't <laughs> right now we don't have any staff in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we don't i know that um, a few months ago we had a few guys around us guys that were on asu strike so they were looking for a place to really explore and you know we brought them into the team and you know we funded them in terms of giving them paying them from our own you know post because we knew that the company does not have the capacity to carry that because we are trying to experiment a lot of things. So we are very lean. We are not excessive um, as a brand. So even our operations is, um, is, is a, we are working from my house right now. Then we are moving. We are, now that we have worked for a, a period of time, we are now moving to an office location that you know people can be able to come. But we didn't just drop and stay. We are getting an office or stuff. So we are very, very lean, very, very frugal. Because we are dealing with money, and you know, it's 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 not the we have to have delayed gratification. There's going to come a time whereby we can be able to, you know, do a lot of stuff. But right now is the building process. We have to invest every single dollar into growth of the business and satisfaction of the customers. So I think if I have any other advice, I just be lean, uh, but don't be don't be don't fall into mediocrity because of that just be lean be sensibly lean and you know just focus on what is important right now anything that is not important right now can't wait nobody will die don't worry so i think that would just be on my trust god in the process is a journey of faith uh because you sleep in the night and you'll be thinking of oh, you're not make you're not any salary anymore how will i live this month <laughs> <laughs> it's a journey of faith. <laughs> it's a journey of faith. Uh, I don't pull out your frustration anyway. With time, fortune favors the bold. With mm. time, everything we we align. So it's the same advice I'm giving to myself. You know, it's all going to get better. It's a journey of faith. So let's just keep going. <laughs> oh my God, that that is so profound to be honest. Because just you're just wondering, you know your mates are definitely having a better life but here you are trying to build a product that that is not like you're trying to solve a problem 
that is not really your problem, right? It's other people's problem. <laughs> and they're carrying other people's panadol. <laughs> yes, you're panadol for other people. You know, carrying Ghana was go for other people, right? So it's definitely a journey of faith. And, and I really appreciate that advice. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you. All right. So there you have it. Thank you so much for listening up to this point. I'm really excited that you stayed all the way to this point where you're hearing my voice. But don't just keep this to yourself. Share with community, friends, family, startup founders that you know will really, really need this. And also, send me a DM of how this has helped you or in what way you were blessed by it. You can send me an email, send me a VN. I'll be really, really excited to receive it. All right. There you have it. I remain Cynthia Ichisum, and this is Startup Stories with Cynthia.